So, you're a musician. Each week, we're going to discuss survival within the music industry. We'll chat to professionals who can help us and you find a way. Talking about things like how to get a job, what's the point in networking? <laughs> Staying sane. <laughs> that as well, yeah. So if you're lost and not sure what to do next, welcome to the club and welcome to the Open Back Podcast. You've had a busy week. Uh, yeah, relatively busy, to be fair. Been working a lot. I had to do a bit of sofa surfing, if you like. Um, had a lot of uh, disruption with the with the train organisations going on strike. So I had to cruise my way around London while working, but had a, had a gig, did some other things. Um, worked for a sound company. That was good fun. Okay, cool. Um, is, that, is that a new thing that we're doing? It, it, You're it, doing? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of is. In the earlier podcast, I think I spoke that I work with Sofa Sounds. Um, there's another company called Anvil Audio that work with Sofa Sounds. So they're, they're, they're affiliated together? Yeah, uh, uh, kind of. So with Anvil, they're a separate entity completely and they're just out, they just outsource their engineers and their equipment and so sounds use them a lot um, for their like small gigs. Okay, cool. So that's sound engineering? That's sound engineering, like basic sound engineering. It's not like we're, you know, we're not doing Glastonbury live sound. No, sure. Um, but we're, we're dealing with small rooms, but they've got nice little PA setups uh, and it's fantastic. I would 100% recommend people that, um, want to uh, get more involved with sound engineering or just want another source of income um, because it's evening work. And if you live in London, Anvil's a great company. They're really, really lovely people from what I've experienced. All the engineers are fantastic and, and make it sound really, really good. Um, so that's a, that's a really good avenue to go down. What have you been up to for the last week? We'll get back onto Anvil in a, in a little In bit. all fairness, for me, I've been doing a lot of the podcast stuff this week. Obviously, we we launched, when this goes out, it'll be last week or maybe. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it'll be last week that we launched. Um, so I've been doing lots of stuff for that, creating lots of media for it. Um, and just, you know, I've, to be honest, I've joined about a hundred different Facebook groups nice. trying to, and then posting it in there, trying to get people to watch, pinging off emails. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of been the bulk of, of, uh, of my week really. And then I've been, and I've been working, working my job in retail, um, cause I've got a festival coming up this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we spoke a bit about your festival coming up next week. Um, how do you find the work balance with pursuing music? Like, obviously, you've been putting loads and loads of effort into this podcast. Um, I've done lots of other things along the side, alongside my my normal job, which is concierge, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find the work balance? Because this is an important one. Obviously, when you're starting to get involved in the music industry or or any creative industry, that sort of breach period where it's not our full time role. Yeah. Um, so we have to supplement our income somewhere else and everyone always talks about multiple streams of income in music and you need to build those up and they take time how do you find the the work balance with what you really want to pursue do you struggle with that do you get really frustrated when you're at work um i get uh, yeah i get a little bit frustrated at work not because of the balance but just because it's a different it's a very 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 different pace okay um I don't know about you. I don't really take a day off. I kind of, you know, mm. I, I'm at work three or four days a week. And then the moment I get home and all my days off, I'm doing working on projects like this, rehearsing for gigs, um, sorting all that kind of stuff out at the moment, but sending a lot of emails because I'm new to, you know, because I'm new to trying to make it in the music industry um, post uni. So I'm doing a lot of that sort of stuff. So at the moment, it, it really doesn't feel like I, I have a day or a minute off. I seem to be doing stuff all the time. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I found, and I think this is going to segue quite nicely into the stuff that you've been doing, um, is working a daytime job rather than an evening job is a bit of an essential. I worked, mm. I, um, I worked kind of lots of um, evening shifts through uni, which you can kind of get away with them. But the moment you start gigging and stuff, it gets significantly more difficult to balance 
um, to, to balance your music work to, to the work that's paying you every single day. Mm. Um, so like you were saying about what's the company called that you're doing the audio? That's Anvil, with? Anvil Audio. So, so with An- Anvil, that being evening work, mm. that that allows you to have a daytime job and then balance that out. And I, and I presume you're doing some of those shifts with, with Anvil, you're doing after your shifts um, as a concierge. Uh, I can't, unfortunately. This is, this is, the concierge job is fantastic. However, it is very long hours. Um, okay, well, so, so what time do you finish that? 8 p.m. Oh, right. Okay. So even though it, it, it's it's right in the centre of London and I can get places very, very fast, the Anvil audio shows you really need to be collecting a PA about 5.30. Right, okay. Um. So it kind of, it, it does it, it does start to play on it. And then it, it, like you say, it really starts to book up your days off. I mean, do you find yourself now a few months into it wanting a day just to not think about it and not have the stress of... Because I think this is a big thing with people that are, are trying to make the step across into into the music industry. This you have to spend all your time off pushing yourself forward, and this probably relates to a lot of jobs as well. You always do extra curricular stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, but do you find it like so annoying that you you just can't switch off? Like I find myself awake at night thinking about something that's coming up a month in advance, knowing that I don't have a day off before that, and I've got to try and get everything organized in that time in between because I've got gigs in my days off, I'm working in my days off doing something musical, recording this podcast, something like that, and it becomes a little bit tedious in the end and you just want to switch your, your sort of mind off to it all. Do you ever find that, that you want to just turn turn the ingoing cogs off? I'm not sure I want to turn the ingoing cogs off per se. I know exactly what you mean about when you've got something coming up in the future and this and it seems like there's a thousand hurdles before you get to that. Yeah. That that, that can be quite demanding. Um but I, I'm not sure I just I, I'm not sure I describe it as tedious. I think I I kind of enjoy that. I find that I do the most. If I'm if I'm working um all day and then doing stuff in the evening to do with this or to yep. do with like uh, um music projects and stuff, mm. it's those days that I find myself going to the gym eating more healthily. Right. It's actually the days when I kind of lounge lounge around a bit more. Yeah. Um those are the days that I think, you know, I end up not going to the gym, I end up mm. not walking the dog as far, um eat, like, just eating rubbish food. So I think for me, those busier days and those well those busier um the, those busiest uh, gaps of time i don't mm. mean gaps you know you know what i mean the, 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 those bigger stretches of time um are when i think i operate at my best yeah and and, and i think mentally at my best as well i'm sure that's a young man's game <laughs> yeah definitely i do think it's an interesting point though um i think i think for me and obviously we're not psychologists or anything like that but no. productivity definitely inspires more productivity when you yeah. get on a roll of like um i liken it to when i was another thing like coming out of university i needed to go home and work for a summer to save money before i moved to london um i worked as a surf instructor and fish and chippy in the evening yeah, just, yeah. just serving and then i worked for a bar in the days where they didn't have any evening shifts for me at the fish and chip shop and i did co-steering when the waves were flat to to keep making that income and that's actually when i felt so like positive about everything just because i was yeah. constantly constantly working and it actually made me want to then go home and like, like midnight i'm up at six but i'm still going to pick play the guitar for, for 20 minutes before i go to bed just because i'm in that sort of going mindset and i'm not tired when i wake up in the morning which is really really um like it's an interesting perspective but yeah i think productivity definitely in- equals more productivity so what emotion or feeling is it for you that does that for, for me it's a bit of a kind of it's sort of that um th- that i'm on a mission yeah, and that's the way I do. It. But I know, 
I know that lots of people it's because there's a there's there's a real or like a real excitement around that I I think I get excited about it but I think a lot of it is when I've got a full calendar I wake up in the morning and I'm like brilliant I've got a day it's bam 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 all day and I really like that mm. what about you yeah no I, I definitely get aspects of that I think what creeps in it for me there's and I think a lot of people are the same there's a there's a real sense of urgency okay and I live my life on a sense of I need to be somewhere else um, what, sorry, is that long term or like, like is that long term, short term, everything? Okay. So I like the idea that my day is full of busy and productive things. That I can lie down at the end of the day and be tired, yeah, and, and then just like be in that I've achieved, I've been everywhere where everyone else is doing everything. I'm doing as much as I possibly can, and I think that's because I want to get somewhere in my in my head further down the line and I don't want to waste my time now just not doing anything and I think that's why I didn't you know go traveling after university or before university yeah I went straight into it and I I only spent you know six weeks back at home before then moving straight out and straight into London and into other jobs because I think to me there were obviously I had the opportunity but there was a real sort of sense of of urgency um, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting and it's interesting to hear like we've obviously got similar mindsets and we want to be productive, but definitely there becomes an aspect, I think, and a lot of people I know, and we're going to get a couple of these people on the podcast, think that being that busy really kills creativity. Um, I've yeah. never struggled to be creative, but I personally don't think I'm a creative. Okay. How would you That's defy a creative? Uh, I... I think that I think there's the surface level creative, which which you can almost you've got an image of what that person looks like, and it's yeah. like the word you used last week, kind of hipster, very you know. It, there's an image that I think we stereotype to a creative. I think a musician has a you know there's a stereotyped image to musician and the way that the way mm. that looks. Um, but I, I, I think being I think being a creative, if we're just gonna if we're gonna give it all that bracket, I. I think it's more about the mindset and a desire to kind of not do something for somebody else, but to build something from the ground up for yourself. Yeah, is how I would look at it because because yeah. I don't think I'm a particularly in the kind of stereotypical sort of uh, like <laughs> hipster creative <laughs> way. I, that's not how I see myself. No, um, I think I'm a bit more methodical with it, and I think that comes from yeah. having incredibly packed days and liking having inc- liking having incredibly busy days. Definitely, I think we share methodical aspects of our sort of work. We're not scattered in our thoughts. Some people yeah. you meet, um, like the the singer for for Late Night Honeymoon, the band I'm in, um, he is a super creative guy. Cool. Um, he's not that chaotic. He's definitely been chaotic, and I don't think he'll mind me saying in the past he's he's been quite a chaotic character. Chaos is an interesting word. But yeah. when you chat to him, like his brain is in so many different places all at the same time. Like he'll be writing down, you'll be chatting to him, and he'll be going on about I don't know the random nature of the universe, all while writing a beat poem that he's then going to go to his mate's house and record later that evening, while then going into do his nine to five job anyway yeah. while booking the gigs and it, it's sort of it's not a methodical approach to him it's sort of it's all over the place and he is to me uh, what a creative is because his brain i can see is so much more constantly thinking of new ideas and new ways to do things whereas i'm more right i've got an idea let's go do it yeah see see i kind of relate to both i think mm. um because adhd I- will well, yeah, exactly. I, but but I think there is a chaos to it. Mm. But I think I work quite hard to organise that chaos. Mm. And in my mind, that allows me to do more per day in a 
in a better way. Um, an interesting observation I had the other day, I was going back through all my uni work, just listening to songs and stuff that I'd written. Now, in in third year, my, my, in my final year, I I stopped working, as in stopped doing my, my, my job to earn money hmm. um, in that last semester while I was writing everything. And For those of you that don't know, Will was a manager at a go-kart centre. I was, uh, I was. And he loved it to pieces. I did, um, I did love it to pieces. And he did actually do very well with that. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I loved it, but it was quite demanding on time. But in second year, mm. for my second year portfolio, um, I was working there four or five days a week, yeah, and no. it was lots of late nights. So I'd be starting at kind of like uh, one, two in the afternoon, and often not finishing until gone midnight. Um, but and here's the interesting thing: when I was listening back to my stuff, I think the stuff I did in second year, which is when I was working, I think that's more. I think the the creativity. I think it's more creative and more kind of. Um, more um involved than the stuff i did in third year that's not to say i think it's recorded better or anything like that i, th- I think the technical side the third year stuff's better but on a purely creative um from a purely creative perspective i think the stuff i did in second year when i was run off my feet mm. and like barely sleeping i think that stuff was better yeah it's interesting and, and i definitely think that we should um we should get it like if you're listening to this and you have a very different method of being creative obviously will and i are quite similar we have the the method of we do everything and the ideas sort of just come and then in our spare time we sort of f- fill in our creativity side of things yeah or we're methodical about it like you said but if you have got a different um way of creative thinking or a process of writing if you literally just lock yourself in a room all day doing nothing but writing song ideas and then picking your favorite one please like get in touch and and We'd love to hear like your different yeah. ways of being creative and balancing it around those separate jobs. Um, moving on from that, I've got a, a a question for you, Will. Shoot. So we we went through my, what I've done in the last year since I left university. From your perspective and an outside honest perspective on this, what are five things that I should do next? So I've moved to London. I've got a few jobs in the music industry. I've got my full-time job alongside that. Uh, I'm commuting in, I've got a flat, I'm moving in with my girlfriend. What is the next roles for me? Because if we said my aim is to end up on a tour within the next three years, what what roles do you think I should then take on to achieve that? I think first, from my perspective, I think first you need to identify what in what capacity you want that touring to be. Yeah. Do you want that touring to be with an original band? Do you want it to be with a covers band? Do you want to be writing the stuff? Do you want to be playing other people's stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and what sort of scope do you want that to be? Like, well, how do you define touring first? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, touring is a set of dates. It could be international. It could be national. Um, and uh, it, it's playing each night, maybe one or two nights on it, on a tour bus or other ways of getting around the country at, and just playing to these gigging venues. To some extent, I've done tours. I've played a few nights in Liverpool, then a few nights in the Southwest, and then a few nights in London and a few nights in Brighton. Like That that you could consider a tour. Um, yeah, sure. In, in that if we defy it in that kind of way. But for for me, my real aim is to do like a United States tour or something like that, where it you're not losing money. I think that's an important yeah. one. Um, a lot of bands will tour and invest in it themselves. And there's definitely a good outcome from that. You know, you're playing to different people every night, adding people to your emailing list. You're If you're an originals band, or even if you're a covers band, you're taking new bookings um, or whatever. Um, however, for me, I think going back to one of your original points, I would want to either be um, playing for someone else's original music or playing my own original music within a band setting. Say I wrote for an artist or say I was within a band that that went on tour. So what would you say would be the next step from what I'm doing now? Obviously making a podcast, but 
Yeah, I think it it is a difficult it is a difficult one because you're doing lots and lots and lots of things, and that's mm. and that's where my kind of admiration for what you've done over the last year. The, 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 that's where that admiration lies because you have done a lot of things. You you've managed to get yourself into a lot of different positions. Uh, with different people so I think you're doing the right thing I think, I think overall I think you've got to continue doing what you are mm. doing from a touring perspective though um, I think you, you've got to hunt down that touring opportunity and whether mm. that's pinging off emails and and I, I know, maybe this is a ridiculous thing to say but cutting the ties not cutting the ties but but um, reorganizing your time away from the things that aren't working towards that objective if that's the one thing you're aiming towards yeah um, there are maybe things that you're doing at the moment. I don't know what, but mm. that aren't working towards that. Maybe that's things that maybe that's things that, that that tie you down to a location or or give you financial ties. Yeah. Maybe those things are may, maybe those things are detrimental to that one aim. But I also appreciate that that you're you're completely aware that that one thing might not be what you end up doing, what you end up making your money from. So you yeah. don't want to you know you don't want to alienate that. This is the thing, and this is why I think uh, an industry like music is is so tricky. Like we spoke about in the in the earlier times, there I've got a goal, there I've got a job position, if you like. Obviously, yeah. there's there's no job interview for that. There's no well, there could I mean you could argue a, a conversation with a musical director for a touring band. Well, 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 maybe that's the thing you've got to do. Then maybe you've got to go and do auditions for bands that are going on tour. Mm. I had an idea, and it's it. it, it it's something that I, I don't know whether I'm capable of doing. Maybe we could do it together um, away from the podcast. If we wanted to tour, would you think it would be a good idea for me and you to set up a musical directional company? So there are a few that are lie around. So we're saying we approach artists on like the um, like the, the club circuits in London or the, the club circuits on small cities around the UK that are good, have got a bit of following. And we just go, right, you don't have to pay us anything and you don't mind if we, you know, we just have a go at this. If you don't like it, you don't like it. We want to set up tracks with you. We want to put a band together for you. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to then perform with you for the first time. We're going to do it for free for a little while. And if it's not working out, it's not working out. Then we want a certain amount of income from that. Do you think that's a good business idea or do you not think it's a good business idea? To basically start musical directing for up and coming artists in the hope that one of those up and coming artists has a big breakthrough because you know we, we consider ourselves good musicians to an extent obviously we've talked about not being perfect by any means but we could definitely put a live set together i like the idea my concern is that when you go to one of those places how on earth you convince them that we're capable of delivering on our promise yeah absolutely so yeah it would be an interesting perspective i think if we were going to do it which um you know, I have an interest in doing it, but whether we do it or not, it's a different case. But I think we would have to go to one of our, our friends that is an artist and we would have to go and put a live set together for them to create a portfolio in the first place. So wait, do you mean a, a set for them or a set that we're playing? So we're playing the set, but we're composing the live set for that person. So say we approach, um, I don't know, Alex, for example. Oh, fine. Who's um, a singer we used to work with. Yeah, exactly. And she's got her original music. And we say, Alex, what we want to do is we want to gig with you and we want right, to put see. together a, a good set for you. We're going to put this first set together for free. It's going to cost you absolutely nothing. We're going to create the backing tracks. We're going to you know, book ourselves or other musicians in to come and help you out. And then after a few gigs, if it's going well, you have to find an artist that's driving themselves forward. Yeah. Um, 
after a few gigs, you then say, right, this is what we've provided you. This is your band. We're going to now start charging like an overhead rate or like at least a cut of the ticket cost at most of these gigs. Um, I don't know whether it would be. It'd be more, in my idea, a, just a stepping stone to get you somewhere rather than a financial business until unless one of your artists had a huge breakthrough. Yeah, I'm not sure it's financially viable on its own. I agree. Because, because like in that example... Mm. For us to make a reasonable wage per person for that, I just don't see that anyone on the scale that we're capable of approaching yet is gonna mm. is gonna take us up on that offer and then pay us for it. Yeah. Um, however, the stepping stone thing I think is really interesting because I mm. think you know you you talk in business about mm. how ironically the quickest way to the top isn't actually that straight line up through a company it's often jumping between companies and yeah. uh, and chasing job and chasing um uh, job titles and job descriptions rather than pay so so, so you know there, yes. there was an interesting I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it came up that a vast vast percentage of people something like it was it was over 90 percent of people yeah will take um will, will take a job title raise yes. over a pay rise uh, over a pay rise mm-hmm. which which makes a lot of sense because if you are if you're promoted to a to a managing director mm-hmm. from you know from from whatever role you were in before, now that opens up an entire what every other company that's looking for managing direct. Now you've got that next to your name, and you can apply for those roles. So the so the pay rise might come somewhere else. And I think what you're talking about in terms of getting yourself into uh, into like a music management role, yeah, you, 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 you then give management. yourself live music management. You then give yourself by by owning a company, basically mm. owning a company that is doing that. You you can put that next to your name. You are a you are a musical director. Yeah. Um and and then when that's next to your name, you set up your own company basically doing it. You can now approach bigger companies that do that yeah. and work with them and then maybe that's where the pay comes from. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think it, it is that stepping stone where it will probably cost you money in the first place. And, and the reason I wanted to sort of discuss this, this idea of, of being uh, creating a musical directional company, there are a lot out there that are very successful anyway. So there are people that do make money from it. Um, and they have lots of engineers that are employed with them that do like the live sound and stuff like that. But I, the reason I wanted to branch off onto this, um, this sort of topic is the actual finances of touring so I think touring is, like we said earlier, a fantastic thing to do if you are a musician wanting to grow a fan base. Like if me and Will are not artists, we're not searching for a breakthrough. We're not searching particularly by ourselves, at least for a record contract. You know, yeah, we're, not, no. we're not singing and dancing and we're, we're not, you know, virtuoso guitar players playing solo guitar. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it's separate for us. But we've had I, I've had some experience in touring and the the overheads of it are ridiculous. Now, if you are a singer songwriter and you're thinking right i need to start working on these circuits i need to book a a show in brighton a show in um bristol a show in manchester a show in liverpool and a show in leeds and then like i'll do the headline of the tour will be in london um you need to think about how it's going to be viable and it's so so difficult to make that a positive as soon as you've got a band involved i think on your first uk tour you're just going to lose money there's no way unless you've got a huge streaming platform um that you're gonna you're gonna be able to create revenue from that tour you think about petrol you think about eating and drinking when you're on the road hotel rooms are you going to sleep rough in your car even that costs more than you realize i've done it yeah <laughs> yeah i've done it as well and um, it, it does all, all those things cost money i 
now you explaining that, I kind of see the the value in the uh, your idea of setting up a um. What what was the title you'd give it? Uh, a musical direction company. Okay, like I, I see the value in setting up a musical direction company because then what you're doing for people like me and you who aren't standalone artists, mm. you're finding an artist that you go, I like that stuff. I really want to play that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's something that I think I can get behind, but that person at the moment is maybe just them singing with an acoustic guitar. Mm. You, for free, build a band around them, yep. and now you're doing loads of gigs um, with that person all over the country. Yes, it's costing you money, but it's but it's getting you out there, and actually you're not having to write songs. You're almost, you're almost creating a session musician job for yourself. That's what I mean. Within your own company. That's what I mean. So for that, I definitely see value, yeah. and yes, we should do it. <laughs> okay okay should we do that alongside the podcast and we'll say how much money we've lost it give us um, lots to talk about <laughs> won't it <laughs> we've invested twenty thousand yeah. pounds and we've been paid a fiver from the artist yeah but we, we spent that fiver well <laughs> we got one beer yeah, in bristol because yeah. we can't afford a fiver and get you a beer in camden no no <laughs> nowhere near no I, I i understand it now and i and i and i do quite like it I just think I think it's expensive. I think it's similar to what we're doing here and now. This is costing mm. us money. At yeah, the moment. of course, of course, like, it, is. It, it is costing money. Like you know, we're lucky that, that we that we know enough people that we're not kind of spending every possible penny mm. that that somebody who doesn't know who doesn't know anybody might have to spend. But it's still got like you know just just the, the travel today. Probably between us, we spent what I, I spent like twenty five thirty. You've probably spent what ten ten twenty. No, yeah, probably about twenty five. Yeah. after parking. Yeah, fine. Yeah. So you know, it, doing doing this easily costs us easily costs us a fifty quid in transport, and that's yeah. before we look at studio and and any of that kind of and stuff. And all the equipment we brought with us. You know, we've got our laptops. We've got. Um, yeah. the connections for all those everything costs money we've got our phones recording us it, it all adds up when you think of the overheads any business has overheads and any any job has overheads but i think when you do have to create a a, a life for yourself in the music industry it is going to cost you at the start it's like my mate always put it really really well um a mechanic qualifies as a mechanic but to set up his own garage he's got to rent a garage and he's got to buy about thirty thousand pounds worth of tools yeah. And he hasn't got one car through the door yet. Well, and he also hasn't got a penny to do it with. Yeah, and it's like... ex- it's exactly the same with, with music. It's ex- yeah. it's the same. Um, and obviously, that's why it's annoying when streaming rates are so low. And and maybe moving on to streaming, we're going to get an artist on um, in, in our next episode, probably when this comes out, um, yeah. who has done very, very well from streaming. And she can talk to us more about you know how playlisting works how yep. how the real revenue from that comes through i know she has a a small record contract as well um, and we can talk about how that helps her and yeah yeah that'd be really interesting because i don't know about any of any of this stuff with her yet no exactly so we'll, we'll move on to that and 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 just explore more of what the real overheads of of music can be and what the revenue coming back is realistic to expend although i was very charmed to realize the other day that actually mine and will's band from university that we spoke about briefly um had made 15 pounds from streaming which which you know ultimately i mean well proud it's not a lot and and you know and, and i do understand why why there's so much um there's so much stigma at the moment around streaming because it's just not paying the artists as much as it's um as much as it should really hmm. um but I, I was proud of us. I was very proud of us. I think it's, um, you know, it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> it's um, a step in the right direction. The, you know, you, you were saying earlier about making that first fiver, we made 15 quid. Yeah. 
success off streaming for a Banff University. Um, yeah, but but the thing is that that comes from that comes from two songs to collectively doing what about five thousand streams between them, maybe not even that. Mm. So I I I don't. There I, I, there is a way actually, and I will probably leave this podcast here. But um, on a final note, I've got a, a friend that I who was a sound engineer um who I I spoke to a little bit about, and he did a post on Instagram, and he calculated. They said it, it's changed now; it's actually gone up. Um, but. They said to live comfortably via. This is a Google question, by the way. Yeah, Google sure. answer. Sure, um, sure, to sure. live comfortably in London, you need to earn forty thousand a year. Um, he then worked out from Spotify streams alone who could afford to live in London. Oh, go on, please. Um, Charlie XCX, what are you thinking? Yes or no? I mean, I, I would presume yes. Nope. On Spotify streams alone, no. That's mad. Um, what, what would, can you remember anyone that was on that list? Yes, I can. So um, Justin Timberlake. Okay. Just over. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Just over. Justin Timberlake from Spotify streams can own over just over forty thousand pounds a year. <laughs> That's insane. Which, but but that that proves the stuff that well, it almost disproves what I was saying earlier about like you know you've kind of you personally might have to drop things to go and chase one you know one specific avenue. Yeah. Because that's not. It's not financially viable, you know. No. And we, we, we should stress as well, we're not idiots. We know that Justin Timberlake is a multi-multi-millionaire. Yeah, no, <laughs> obviously, but no, no. But, but this is my point. He's not a multi-millionaire from streaming. He's no. a multi-millionaire from all his other assets, mm. which many of which are going to be within music. I'm sure many, 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 many are going to be actually outside of music and are going to probably have to, have to do with sponsorships, investment, things like that that he's mm. done and worked with company he's work, companies he's worked with. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, for people like us, to go and work with some some company as a as a sponsor or something like it's just not realistic. Yeah, it also shows yeah. why companies that like record labels and they have so many departments to them, but just in the music department industry, there aren't actually that many jobs going because no, the outcome doesn't earn much money. So if you're a producer, your biggest asset is you can play all your own instruments because then at least you get the revenue. Yep. Yeah, um, it just cuts your costs. It's all about cost cutting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Anyway, I think we discussed a lot there. I think we fair. have. We covered quite a lot of topics. Um, and yeah, like I said, ne- next episode that will probably be out in a row, um, we'll we'll have our first guest on, which will be yeah, fun. Yeah, it'll, it'll be that. It'll definitely be within a week or two of of this one going out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, thank you very very much for listening again, Will. It's your time to shine. Can That's you? Fine. I Tell can us do where it. we are. Yeah, so uh, whether you're listening here on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, we're now on. I got the notification this morning saying we're up, we're up on there. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you have any thoughts, please chuck them in the comments or, or ch- chuck a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be awesome as well. Thank you very much, guys. We will see you next time.